Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today we'll continue our study in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 1. The title of this sermon is, I Urge You to Walk Worthy of the Calling. Here is the first half of this two-part study. And so, where are we at? So we, we finished chapters 1 through 3. And remember I told y'all that the, the way that this book is set up, it's sit, walk, stand. You're going to be walking now until we get to putting on the armor of God when you have to stand in, verse, in chapter 6. So now Paul is going to call you to action. And what it is to actually walk with Christ. What is a relationship with Christ? And so what we've learned so far is who you were before and who you are after. You were, you were formerly far off, but now you've been brought near by the blood of Christ and the cross. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. We learned that in Ephesians chapter 2. Remember, your trespasses are just simply, you can't reach that goal no matter how, how hard you try. And then the sin is you'll never hit the mark no matter how many arrows or shots you have you'll always miss the target you are a slave to the world and the flesh and the devil but you're alive in christ you're raised with christ and you're seated with christ that's what we learned so far you've been separated from christ before but now you you were when you were separated from christ you had no country no covenants no hope no god but now after since you are now walking with god you are one new man you're reconciled Reconciled to God, reconciled to each other. You have access to God. Before you were strangers and aliens. Now you're fellow citizens from the family of God and your dwelling of God, the temple of God. So one of the things that we're going to see is, is Paul talked about family as we went over that prayer over the last few weeks. And, and when we use the word church family... Immediately, some of us, as soon as we hear the word family, we freak out because we grew up in dysfunctional families, right? I know I did. I, I, I've told you all the story before. My mom and dad divorced when I was six years old. My dad left the house on a Saturday afternoon. And my mom, uh, when I woke up the next morning, there was a hippie in shorts with no shirt on standing in my kitchen. And I knew nobody needed to tell me that my mom was living in sin. I knew it in my heart that it was wrong. My father decided, uh, unfortunately, to dive into a bottle, and he did that until I was about 19 years old. 
And my mom decided, so people think that you cannot obsess over relationships. I'm telling you, you're absolutely wrong. You can put a relationship over God like that. And my mom obsessed over my stepfather the rest of the marriage until they divorced. And she picked him over us every time. And he was a drug addict, and he was verbally abusive and physically abusive. And so when I hear the word family, I cringe. If my kids hear the word family, they cringe. Here I was at 17 thinking I would figure it all out as I got married. Kids start coming 19 and on. And I messed their lives up because I wasn't walking with God. I didn't know what it was to, to raise a family. And so when I hear the word family, it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. And so when I hear the word church family, I go, well, isn't that supposed to just be happily ever after? No. There's a real thing called church hurt. It happens. Um, and, and so what we're called to be, and, and, it, and if we go by what Christ gives us, we're called to be a shining example of Christ. That everyone in the church should have a Christ-centered heart. But guess what? When somebody's brand new into the church, they're going to make mistakes. And you need to give grace for that. You need to, but that, very important, you need to correct it. If they're doing something that goes against God or, or, or is very hurtful, then you need to pull them aside and say, hey, man, what you said was... There was no love in it, right? And that's why Paul was saying, like, if you're going to be a Christ-centered follower, you need to die to self, you need to pick up your cross, and you need to follow me. And that is, that is having Christ-centered, meaning that you're rooted and grounded in love and you're united. Now, we'll go over this over the next few weeks, but I'll tell you right now, the thing that prevents us from having that happen all the time is because there's something called free will. There's something called sin. And from the pew to the pulpit, everybody has it. Okay? So even the pastor can make mistakes. Everybody's feet in this room is made, their feet are made of clay. Remember that. And, and so that doesn't make it an excuse for us to do it, but it means that we need to, we need to correct it when it happens. Um, one of the things I do believe is that, that what we don't want to happen is we don't want people to do like the world does. What's the first thing they do? They divorce themselves from the church. And then what do they do? They take that hurt and go do it at another church. They don't learn anything. They just keep hurting people. And, and so the worst of it is, is some people get hurt so badly, they just stop coming to church altogether. And so when we think about family, we want to understand, like, what we're fighting for is to be united. What we're fighting for is it can only happen when we're strengthened through the inner man and the Holy Spirit. That's why it's not, you know, I, we were listening to uh, George Barner this morning. He was on the Christian Worldview who does all the Barner surveys. And one of the things he says when they asked pastors what defines a successful church, square footage, numbers of who's attending, tithe. And I was like, how foolish are y'all? It's not about the square footage, it's not about the numbers, and it's not about the tithe. What it's about is that you are growing in Christ together. Together. You're, you're, you're growing in your relationship with Christ. I can have 13 people, if they're doing that, praise God. I'm happy and I'll continue pastoring on until the rest of the time. But if I have 300 people, that's the same message that still needs to be pushed out. It can't change. 
Because when we get focused on building, when we get focused on people, when we get focused on tithe, we're not focused on God being the center of it. We have to have Christ at the center. And that's where a worthy walk begins. A worthy walk begins with your relationship with Christ. And then a worthy walk begins in your marriage. A worthy walk begins with your family. A worthy walk actually begins and, and overflows into the church after that. So, and then out into the community. So if I'm walking in my flesh and I'm digging out the old carcass of the old self and I bring that into the church and I'm struggling to walk, I'm not even walking anymore. I'm like one of those little babies that are just figuring out how to get it and they keep falling, Right? What's going to happen with me is I'm bringing flesh into the church, and what I'm doing is I'm actually filled with pride, I'm filled with criticism, I'm filled with judgment, I'm filled with anger, and then I begin to gossip. And what happens is, is we make a mess of the church. God has called us to disciple each other, to make disciples, and that means we live together. And life gets messy, okay? People get sick. People die, babies come, you know, it's, people come and go out of the church, it, it happens, you know, it, it, they, they may take a job at another place, and, and you have somebody that, where you were really good friends with, and you're like, man, why are they leaving? But, but that's where God's called them. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and that's one of the things that we have to remember as we talk about church family. You have church family. Some of y'all realize that, and I, and I mean, I need to say a big thank you to Grace Calvary Chapel for allowing us to participate in their VBS. And just an FYI, um, we, you know, we helped out with the pizzas on Friday, this little church. We fed those kids, so we were part of that blessing. Every one of those kids that came to faith. This little church. I love it. But one of the things we see is that you have family in Grace Calvary Chapel. You have family throughout all the Calvary Chapels. But you got family across the street at First Baptist Church. You got brothers and sisters in Christ. People that you know in town that go or, or attend First Baptist Natalia or they attend Cowboy Church, right? They're, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. You've got family in Mexico. You got family. Across the world, you got the Kabachinkos all the way over in Georgia, near Russia. They're our family. That's the beauty of the church. And, and what we need to do as an example for us as the early church is stick to the basics. We get that from the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the word of God, and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. But I want you to read the rest of the verses from verses 43 through 47. It says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. I want to make sure you get that. Because when you're Christ-centered, everything we, we do, we do together. Right? We have, we have those things in common that are... We're, we're, we care about each other. That's part of, part of fellowship. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any, anyone had need. They were, the reason they were doing that is because people were getting kicked out of their homes. People were being thrown out of their jobs because they were choosing to follow the way. So continuing daily with one accord 
in the temple. They go to church together. And breaking bread from house to house. They, they invite each other to their houses. They're, they're living life together. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. We don't get overcomplicated with the things of the world. We just need to keep it simple, right? Christ at the center. Praising God and having favor with all people. Not some, all. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. See, if we're living together in fellowship, this is what we should be doing. So this is what Paul is going to be going over. As we go into Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, he's going to be talking about unity. Unity in the church. Unity as a church family. Then he's going to be talking about purity in verses 17 all the way into chapter 5, verse 18. And then lastly, he'll be talking about walking in harmony as we get from, uh, and that deals with your marriage. So we'll, eventually we're going to get to that. So uh, five, chapter 5, verses 19 through chapter 6, verse 9. And so understanding a worthy walk begins with our walk with Christ, our relationship with Christ. How are you going to be a church family that's united? It starts with you. It starts with your walk. He says, therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So that remember uh, that therefore, again, he's going back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with the might through his spirit in the inner man. He's like, and I'm, 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 the thing I talked about, and that's important when you're looking at the context of Scripture, is to understand if that, if that therefore is there, you need to read the verses before. So you know what you're going into. Because he's telling you, hey, stop sitting. Time to stand. Time to walk. We're going to learn all this stuff now about walking. And, and so he, he urges you. He beseeches you. Some of you may have the word urge there. I love that word in the Greek because it, it's, it's Paul having authority to tell you, come here, listen. It's no different, and, and you already have in your head, if your mama throws out your full name, you're in trouble. If I hear Michael Garrison from my mom, I'm done. I stop where I'm at, and I, I'll still do it to this day. What you need, mama? Because I know right then she's saying, hey, I need you to listen, Right? And y'all been there. Y'all know when your mom, man, you don't want to hear the, usually we're in trouble when we hear the full name. But Paul is saying, that's what he's suggesting here. He's like, I need you to pay attention to this. This is very important. That's why he's saying, I, I, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you. And again, he's reminding you that he's a prisoner of the Lord. He's in chains in Rome because of Rome. But he's there because of the Lord. This is where God's called him to be. As he writes this, and then he says, I beseech you to walk worthy. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience, and longsuffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. Like all joy, when you're long-suffering, when something's not working, you wake up and it ain't working, and you're long-suffering, do you have joy? Like if we're honest with ourselves, I mean, 
you know, I, I would say kick the dog, but then everybody in California would lose their mind because they, they, they love the, the people in Hollywood. I told me and my dad were talking yesterday, and I was like, if it was 80,000 kids that were missing, if it was 80,000 puppies, they would have already found them because they care, the, the people in Hollywood care more about the dogs than they care about the kids. It's crazy. It's nothing, about, nothing against the people in California. It's just about the people in Hollywood. But that's the reality of it is like when we look at this, when we think about this, it's like, do you have joy? Do you have joy when you're long suffering? My dad used to use that expression. Man, I just want to kick the dog. I, my poor dog, right? I never understood that as a kid. I'm like, well, who's kicking the dog, man? <laughs> but that's a southern thing. Um, but he's talking about that your walk should match up to your actions. Do you get that? So your walk, to walk a worthy walk means to, that your idea is that you're matching up to the actions of your words and your outward presentation, and it should also match up to your inward convictions. So it means that you're actually living a life that honors God, that honors God. So what is it to be a worthy walker in Christ? What is it to be a worthy walker in Christ? Well, one of the things that needs to happen is you actually need to grow. You need to grow. You need to grow in the knowledge of God, and it, and it applies it also to your life daily. So you need to learn. Like, if you're, if you're just now starting to walk with Christ, you need to spend time with God, getting to know His Word. Why is that? In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? The Word was God. And it tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. Talking about Christ. Who's the Word? Christ. So when you spend time with the Word, you're spending time with Christ. It's important for you to know that, that the Word was God, the Logos. The Jehovah Witnesses changed that verse to say the Word was a God. And they changed it from a big G to a little g. And that's, that's false. It tells us throughout Scripture who Christ is. But He is the Word of God. Isaiah 55, 11 says, shall, uh, So shall my word uh, be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return me void. This is why you need the Word of God on your heart. It doesn't return void. When you're, when you're ministering to somebody, you may not be able to get the exact Scripture out by detail, but you may get the... Hey, the Word of God doesn't return void, right? Or the Word of God is the Logos, is Jesus Christ. That's why He was born. Like, you're able to have these things stored on your heart. To walk worthy, these things need to be stored on your heart. And the people that are surrounding you need God's Word. I think sometimes they hear too much of us and not enough of God, right? 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read you the rest of this verse here because I love this. I think sometimes we get so focused on 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. But go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, and we'll read down. Because Paul's advising Timothy, who was like a son to him. He says, But you must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Where did, where did Timothy learn them? Timothy learned them. He was a... a, a with a single mom. The dad was nowhere in the picture. 
from the grandmother and the mom. They taught Timothy. So he's telling them, hey, those things that you've learned and who you learned them from, that's what you need to stick to. And he says in that from childhood, you, would have, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. He's telling them, hey, Timothy, you've known this stuff since you were a kid. Stick to it. Don't walk away from it. But what does that tell you? If Paul saw Timothy as a father, right? He's a, Timothy's, Paul's the father and Timothy's the son. And he's speaking to his spiritual son. And he's telling him, hey, look, Timothy, stick to the Holy Scriptures. Stick to the things that you know. What if you don't know them and you, you got nothing to pass on to your kids? That's the problem with the church today. The parents are not in the Word. The grandparents are not in the Word. Your Theo and your Thea are not in the Word. Any one of us can share Scripture with a niece or a nephew or, or your, your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter and, and encourage them with the Word of God. But it's not being done. We found out this morning as we're listening to George Barner speak, he said four out of the ten pastors do not even have a biblical worldview. That's sad. And it gets even worse when you go to the congregation because everybody's in their emotions and feelings. You need to put those aside. You're to be Christ-centered. Christ-centered. It's not about how you feel if you want to wake up and read the Word of God. Like you just saw the, the verses, the great I am. The mountains shake. Like he wants to spend time with you. And you're too busy. You're too busy to invest any time at all. And he's, this is why Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, hey, look, you've got to stick to the Holy Scriptures. And then he tells him why. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Every person that attends this church who is a man of God, if that is not your, your marching orders for you as a father and as a husband, I do not know what equips you then if you don't spend time in God's Word. The world's equipping you. The news is equipping you. Facebook is equipping you. Instagram's equipping you, but not God's Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12. For the Word of God is living and, and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and it is the discerner, discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It gets down right to the, the meat of things. That's why you need to be in the Word of God. That's why when you have the Word of God stored on your heart and that temptation comes, you're able to go, not today, Satan. Not happening. It's not happening. Or when you're in sin, you have the Word of God stored on your heart and the Holy Spirit convicts you and you know right then, I need to repent. I need to confess my sin. I need to get right with God. When you're, you're, your mom or your dad are dealing with loss, you're able to con console them with the Word of God because it's not going to return void. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God of God. This is your sword. Is it sharpened? Do you, I'm prior military, so when you leave your weapon around, the Sergeant Major comes and picks them up, right? Y'all remember. Do you, do, do you know where your weapon is? It's important for us to understand that. 
Jeremiah 6, verse 16. It says this, if we're going to walk worthy, we, the word of God has to be a priority in our life. It says, thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see, I love this verse, and ask for the old, the old paths where the good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Judah was at the time strayed from the ancient paths. What is the ancient paths? The word of God. He's telling you, like, if you walk in those paths, there's rest for your soul. What did Jesus say? In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you don't have rest for your souls because you've gotten off the ancient path. You've gotten away from the word of God. Everything that I need, everything that I am is in the Word of God. Everything, I, man, for so long I couldn't figure out what it was to be a husband. It's in God's Word. What it was to be a father. It's in God's Word. What it is to be a good employee. It's in God's Word. What it is to be a citizen, right? It's in God's Word. To have community. It's in God's Word. How to love. Everything's there. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 